Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast slash web series review thing that does what it says in the tin. Well, in this case, not so much. We're best film ever, though. My name's Ian. And I'm Georgia. And uh, yeah, this is the much uh, promised uh, delivery of, uh, uh, we were beyond lucky to get an hour. Mm-hmm. We have three members, three of the core four yeah. of the shipwreck comedy. I've been doing my research. Um, <laughs> Mary Kate Wiles uh, and siblings, Sinead Prasad and Sean Prasad, uh, who are the principal writers for Shipwrecked. Yeah. And to talk about their web series, Headless, which we talked about when we first did a Cedar Skip It on it all the way back in, I don't know, July? September. September? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's, that's not as far back as. No, that was, that was. September. Those 10 episodes and the last one was Halloween. So. I don't remember. <laughs> it headless began in September. I'm sure it was September. <laughs> sure. So, uh, but no, they were really kind to give us an hour of their time. So what we would say is, first off, the most important thing is, if you haven't seen it, hit pause, put this away for a week. Go yeah. watch Headless. Absolutely. Uh, a, it's great. Yeah. A, first and foremost, it's great. Secondly, um, there's a really kind of... Um, in-depth conversation that you're only going to appreciate more if you have a, a, a Scooby-Doo what we're talking about. Absolutely. And so there's that. So because I will say this, like we 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 tried to avoid all this as much as possible. Free, just but, spoiler uh, free. But you, you can't. It was uh, difficult. It was more important <laughs> to have the conversation in, in its fullest nature. So I think yeah. in the end, I think it was Mary Kate who kind of pushed us over the edge, and Sean just says, "Yeah, we're just going to go." We're in spoiler. spoilers now. <laughs> it is what it is. We all tried, everybody. Uh, but spoilers, it is. So um, you can find their stuff at shipwreckcomedy.com or by searching Shipwrecked over on YouTube. Yep. Um, or likewise on any of the social media platforms, you'll find them. Yeah. And uh, really, that's about it. In about 15 seconds, you're going to hear us finding them charming in a conversation. Absolutely. So, yeah, I guess I just uh, sit too tight for two seconds and you'll catch the dulcet tones of three of the core four. That's Mary Kate Wiles, Sinead Prasad, and Sean Prasad. And we'll catch them on the flippity flop. The flippity flip flop. All right, well, it's a bit of a return engagement in one capacity, but we are thrilled, the BFE, to welcome members of Shipwrecked Comedy who have previously brought productions such as Edgar Allan Poe's Murder Mystery Dinner Party, The Case of the Gilded Lily, Kissing in the Rain, American Whoopie, but we are here to talk about Headless. Please welcome everybody. We've got Mary-Kate Wiles, Sinead Prasad, and Sean Prasad. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Oh my goodness! Hi. Thanks for having us. Or thanks for having me back. Look at the pod. Look at look at Sean playing the whole. I've been here before card. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Um, I I literally finished it just this week because uh, I'm a teacher oh, really? by I, I'm a teacher by day, and so I got very very busy. Uh, I got the first five mm. episodes kind of, and, and then I had to binge the last five, which in other words was also great to do. Yeah. Because then I just got to sort of scratch that itch immediately. So that was my viewing perspective. George, of course, you. I watched it on drop 
or the next day um, yeah. which meant that I had to wait each week <laughs> especially yeah, towards to the end I did yeah. I did have to suffer towards the end <laughs> but it was sorry. worth it <laughs> absolutely worth it and I think I mean, it came it came off from my perspective and I'm actually like incredibly successful a lot of good buzz about it and i mean i was following from the the early days with the kickstarter and the um the kickstart was just about to launch last time we had sean that's right yeah so i remember sort of following that from its from its infancy and then we started seeing character poster designs come out and then all the way to the first episode which we did a mini review on yeah and then sort of really we're, we're hoping to achieve to get one of you folks on the show again for the end. So we've, we've hit a bumper crop today. Uh, lots of questions uh, uh, about the series, but first off, how does it feel to be, uh, I guess, done now? It's all out there. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And um, it's a little, uh, it's a little sad, but also we still have a lot of work to do yeah. on it. Um, we're yeah. still doing the the last of the perks, sending sending the Kickstarter perks out. You can see them um, in the background of my, the yeah. listeners do <laughs> not, but you yeah. both can see the boxes um, in the back of my shot here. We have a lot of BTS those. to edit and release. And so there still is a lot to do. But yeah, I feel I've been feeling quite sad. And I think um it's weird because we haven't we just haven't had a project that we've done of this size in really ever. This is the biggest project we've ever done, but we haven't done a series in six years. Poe Party that you mentioned was the last one that we did. And obviously, like part of that six years was the pandemic. And so and and you guys spent multiple years writing this show. So it's just I don't know. It's a new experience a little bit to be like in this place of having worked so hard for so long on something and then it's out and then you're just like, oh, now now what do I do with myself? But I don't know that we have all, I think Sinead has been taking it a little more positively than I have. I have I'm moved like, on. I'm like, what is live? Now that I'm like, on to the next thing. We have so many ideas. We have to do that them is, all. That yeah, is true. I Our think... mortality takes us. <laughs> Well, Sinead and I are, we get to, we do get to move on to the next thing and, and start writing. And we, we are doing that. Um, where Mary Kate is, is like, she's making reels. She's taking like little clips and trying to put them on YouTube and TikTok and, um, try to uh, approach the algorithm from a different angle to get more people. Um, yeah. to get uh, to get more people's eyeballs on and it's also like stuff. you know we we have our next project lined up and you guys are starting to write it and work on it but like it's not going to be out for a few more months so it we we need to continue to be posting about headless mm-hmm. and driving traffic mm-hmm. and it's still clear that there are plenty of people who have not yeah. you know had the time to watch or whatever which is fine so i'm still very much living in the like keeping this alive until we do definitively start our next project and set headless behind us for the for the time being that's exciting i even put i realized the other day i'm in a facebook group for my english literature course my uni course and i went i know people who would could watch this and i posted the link to the first episode and went there you go (laughs) you guys will love this so (laughs) hopefully they'll learn uh, yeah hopefully they'll pick up on it because i mean especially with this but and poe party the it's all they're all authors that we've we've Mm-hmm. We're writing about mm-hmm. the moment Frankenstein is our next one so yeah. hopefully oh, nice. we'll uh, hopefully there's some been some more views through them as well but that's yeah, it's exciting. exciting we found that um 
Washington Irving and Sleepy Hollow specifically are are very American, mm-hmm. and that yeah. um, there, there are a lot of people in other countries who have never heard mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah, it didn't have yeah. not that we like thought it had the wide appeal. I think mm-hmm. we just we, and you grow up in America knowing about the legend of Sleepy yeah. Hollow, and I think we assumed that it was more. Uh, well known, I guess, in general, than it in, than in it a way that like uh, Edgar Allan Poe is probably. Yeah. So I yeah. knew of the Headless Horseman. I knew the name Ichabod Crane, and I knew the name Sleepy Hollow. But that was mm-hmm. it. I didn't know anything yeah. else. So yeah, it's it's definitely not. I mean, as... maybe that's for the best since our version truly <laughs> <laughs> does not really adhere. <laughs> I think the character itself, the Headless Horseman, is in, is massively recognizable. That's an image. Even sure. even if it's yeah. not yeah. Yeah. the Sleepy Hollow yes. version, everyone knows that image yes. i think with halloween definitely but but i would agree with sean i mean i'm, I'm from canada and uh, yeah the the whole sleepy hollow kind of tale is completely pardon pardon the pun foreign to us like it, it just wasn't in our culture v- vernacular for whatever reason which seems really odd yeah but yeah. maybe I it's mean, because it's set during american it is like american pilgrim times right Am I wrong on that? A little later. Uh, a little bit later? Co- little, co- yeah. Colonial? Am I, am, I, am I wrong if I say like that? A little post-colonial, okay. yeah. I, I, for whatever reason, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't cross over. And so, um, yeah, so the, the image of the Headless Horseman, that is a thing. Yeah, definitely. But the other characters around it, yeah, I, I suppose so. And it does tie into something I, I kind of wanted to touch base on a little bit, which is you guys in, just guess for Sean and Sinead, I mean, in, in your writing, you do seem to really... Um, appreciate these historical or literary sort of time frames or, mm-hmm. or, or, or characters. And my question for this is it, is it because A, there's that sort of shared shorthand where if we already understand the characters, then, then, then some of the characterization is kind of done for you. Um, and you're building on people's existing understanding. So that helps with that. Or is it more because you can play with that understanding then? And when you go on a riff, it, it, it kind of, you know, plays and, and, and usurps. Uh, expectations of the audience or, or, or equally is it the fact that it's all in the public domain <laughs> i honestly i don't think i mean having things in the public domain is awesome but i don't know that that's ever actually crossed our mind i think we just genuinely like these stories and there's something so delightful about like putting our our twist on them since they have been around for so long and so many people know them and just like taking them and making them quirky or make or modernizing them is such like a, a fun task. And I think with things that are in the public domain, you have more license to play around with them, not just because they're free, but because they've been around for a while. They've been interpreted numerous ways. And for like Sleepy Hollow has a handful of adaptations already. And um, they're all pretty different. They all do something different with the story. And so we we went in and we were like, well, here's our version. And we can be, we don't have to be that precious about it because there's, this has happened so many times. Like, um, and, and here's our version. Here's how we're going to, you know, tweak, tweak all the elements. I guess this, I, I can segue into another question I have yeah, off that, which works really well. Uh, it's nice to hear that. Uh, I, I'm a 
I'm, I'm a teacher by trade, and so I teach a lot of A Christmas Carol. And there's been a million adaptations of A Christmas oh, yeah. Carol, from Alistair Sim playing it straight to Scrooge to, of course, the Muppet Christmas Carol, the best mm-hmm. version, the best one, the yeah. best yeah. version yeah. of A Christmas Carol there is. And something we picked up in the in the pile, and I, I mean this in the best possible way, is your comedic voice that you guys have. That dryness is sometimes I find very Muppety. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the best compliment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not the first time they've gotten. <laughs> oh, really? Because because when I got that, yeah. when I thought of it, I went, I really hope this doesn't come across in a way that I don't want it to. Like, no, that's, that's, that's a massive not. like. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I guess my You're question. Speaking to Muppet, Muppet fans. fans. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, that is, well, that, that yeah, that's yeah. a cool that's fact you. in itself. But sort of um, this 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 shared comedic voice you have, which which I love. I think it drives so much of a story. Is is the voice of the community, but also the voice of the individual characters um how do you set out to write characters in a way that takes things when it needs to be serious that's played serious but there's never a moment that's delayed where if you can't put in a slight joke whether it's it's visual or whether it is with with dialogue that we pay that off you know i i'm a bing man screams to mind right off the top the bing the bing really went over well yeah that was a surprise to us we didn't expect people to love the bing we always have like a surprise hit joke in all of our stuff and that was definitely this this series surprise although to be fair spoilers we do reference it multiple times throughout the show so i guess we had some confidence in it yeah on did it's just who God is. It's just things went. Anyway, yeah. I'll let you guys answer the question. Um, the question: <laughs> How do, is, was the question? How do we do that, or why? Or it was either like of the above. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. to be honest, I this is where this show made me the most nervous about tone because there are such dramatic not that there aren't in other things that we've done but there are such dramatic things and such dark places that we go like we are digging up heads um from a graveyard that's like the conceit of the show like massacring people's graves um and the the show takes a very dark turn in the last episode and i think i eventually we had to just let it go and be like, we're shooting this. I don't know. Hopefully it comes off right. But I was very nervous about like twist, like, oh, we have a very serious moment. And then the bard makes a joke. Uh, I did not know how it was going to play. And I think we pulled it off. I think it is is pretty fun. Um, And I just think that's something that Sean and I like in our own media is like that marriage of the macabre and, and, gallows humor and and very whimsical humor uh, we just like to play around with that i mean having too many jokes is not y'all's problem we're like when we're cutting down we are cutting out jokes you mm-hmm. are both just very good at i don't know coming up with stuff that is fun and funny and you pop it in there and then it's more an issue of like well which joke do we like the best that we want to keep here <laughs> yeah i think my approach is i overwrite everything so what should be a two page scene, my first pass is eight pages. And then it's easier for me to do that and then whittle it down. But I also think that what Sinead said, like, that is what we like in our media. And um, that's what we've loved. That's the kind of thing we've loved for years. And um, specifically, a really good example of it is A Muppet Christmas Carol, where it's very funny and zany and uh, meta 
And um, it's also like very emotional and grounded. Michael Caine is just like, like he makes you cry re- in that movie. <laughs> yeah. And there's, I never watched it um, and thought like, Oh, what whiplash I'm getting. It just makes sense. I honestly don't know how to do that. I know that I don't, re- we don't really think about it in, I mean, we, we worry about it, but in terms of like a, uh, instruction manual it's like we're not really um we're just sort of doing what we would want to see i think and then we are also lucky to work with people like our director joe stribling who it has the same sensibility and and understands um how to pull all this stuff off and yeah like there there are some things that we filmed that we cut um there's a joke in the at the very end um spoiler alert um after the well after the big, uh, after the big reveal in the in the climax of the um, of the last episode, a, a certain character uh, dies, perishes, and, <laughs> perishes, <laughs> and um, and we had we we wrote and we filmed like a little uh, a little joke, and then when when in the editing room we were like, hmm, you this were is the weird. One that was really like, uh, I don't think we should have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here. let's just let this like dramatic moment sort of. Um, I think, too, like, really seeing Sinead's performance in that moment. I mean, you know, it's it's just it's all a process from page to to filming to the edit, right? Like, on the page, you're not seeing (laughs) Sinead as Matilda giving this, like, heartfelt, tearful, like, sobbing performance over uh, a dead body. You know, but when you are in the edit and you see that happening and then other characters are making a joke, you go, well, you know, we realize like that helps ground the scene to be like, no, the scene's about this, this thing that's happening. Yeah, I guess just knowing, yeah, when uh, being flexible and having like a light touch and like knowing when to to pull back is good. And it helps that uh, Joe, our director, is incredibly talented. He's an incredibly talented editor and we're all kind of involved in the process. So. It's nice to have. And sometimes we don't know when to pull back. Like in episode one, where Joanna Sodomiro's character has a giant yeah. shrimp cocktail glass filled with a Cosmo or something. We we're like, <laughs> go for is it. Is this okay? Uh, I don't know. I, I still don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. <laughs> but we did it. <laughs> so you've all just kind of touched briefly on the fact that you're not just writers or just actors. You all do so much for the projects and things like that. How is it balancing? all of those different things from pre-production before the crowdfunding campaign all the way through to what you guys are still doing now, which is fulfilling the perks and editing and still moving on to things like Fig and Forge. You're still obviously moving through. How is it balancing all of that? That's such a huge question. Not, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, it's not your, it's not. Yeah. I just wish I was better at answering. Sometimes it. it's fun. Sometimes it's really nice to be busy and I like it. You know, in pre-production, it's a nightmare, but yeah, it's there's also an excitement about it. I um, think in what we do, yeah, it's it's so funny how like ten years ago, if you had been like Mary Kate, are you going to be a producer? I would have been like, no way, I'm an actor and I only act. <laughs> um, and now I cannot imagine my life without all, everything that we do. And I think that's just, I mean, I think if you talk to any creatives who have been doing this for a few years you just kind of get to a place where 
the work that you get outside of yourself is such a blessing and is so um, great and wonderful and provides health insurance and God, so wonderful. But it's something that you usually don't have a lot of control over. And I think if you, like most creatives, have a burning desire to do this, you have to find a way to do the stuff that you really care about and that you really want to do. And so it and now has just become such a big part of my life in terms of like, this is what I like to do. Yeah, I would love to have fewer responsibilities on set. I would love to get to a place where like we are hiring people to take out the trash at the end of the night and make sure that everybody has a meal and whatever. But um, if I have to do that right now to make sure that we get to make this thing, then uh, I will do that and I will hopefully be able to give a good performance 30 minutes later when I'm in front of the camera. Or not just 30 minutes later, like you're prepping for a scene and you're also like, okay, well, yeah. lunch is almost here. I have to pick that up. And, um, oh, this, I just found out that we need, we need 3000 extra dollars for like a lighting thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the location just told us there, they, we have to be out two hours early tomorrow. And, and then, it, and then they say action and you're like, okay, I have to yeah. act mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. It is hard. But it also makes, um, it makes you better at everything um you know like being an actor i think i'm an i think i'm a better actor because of all of the because i've written for this stuff i've i understand how things are edited um i'm comfortable talking to the dp and understanding why they're doing certain things so i i think it's a way to you 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 try to understand how to make everybody's job easier and um, I think that helps a lot when you're when you're doing the specific job you're supposed to be doing, understanding how you fit into the whole equation. Yeah, definitely. Um, with the um, crowdfunding and those sorts of things, how much are you able to do pre-production wise before you know how the campaign has gone? Obviously, there's a certain amount I read on the Fig and Ford one as well that you're actually paying yourselves for writing that one this time and those sorts of things. Right. So. How much are you able to do before you know what you've got? We're hoping to. Hoping to. (laughs) (laughs) It always turns, we're always like, yeah, this time we're going to, and then everything is just like, oh, wait, actually podcast, that's going to be a million dollars. Like, Okay, cool. Well, Well, we thought the first quote that we got for doing the Fig and Ford podcast from the sound uh, like team designers that we were talking to was higher than the goal that we set, which was a very yeah. high goal for a mm. podcast. So yeah. just to say we were, we were shook. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were like, yeah, that'll be everything this much. And then costs yeah. so much more than you think it does everything. Uh, I don't yeah. know that we've done a very good job of like, like our, well, originally when we were going to crowdfund headless in 2020, which we came very close to doing, but of course, you know, we were going to launch on March 24th, I believe. And wow. thankfully we didn't because things started shutting down. But our original plan was to only ask for $100,000. And there is no way we could have done the show that we made for that much money. Um, so we had some time to think on it. And then we were like, okay, we'll ask for one hundred and fifty um, because that felt like we could still make the show we wanted to make, uh, but we knew we really needed more than that. And we are so thankful that we raised 200, which still 
uh, as we came to learn, was not really enough for everything we wanted to do. But it's really just so impossible. And that's one of the like hitches, I think, of crowdfunding. Um, it's just impossible to really know uh, how much you need until you're doing it. And you can't really put in all the work to figure out how much you need until you have the green light, which you need yeah. from. Yeah you know, crowdfunding. So it's a very catch 22 of like, okay, we're going to hope that this is like the right thing to aim for. And usually we find out it's, we, we needed more, but like, you're going to need more no matter what, like you could mm -hmm. be on a million dollar movie and need more money. Um, so that's part of the trick of it is figuring out how to make it work with what you've got. And uh, yeah, we, we can still get better at it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pivot ever so slightly. You uh, touched for something you talked about earlier. Um, when you're involved in such a early process as, as, as writing the, the, the script yourselves and so much of yourself goes into that and then also starring in it, is it difficult, Sean and Sinead, to cede control to a director or to a director of photography when when you wrote this, you had an idea in mind and then you kind of have to take this thing you care so much about and gift it to people who you obviously trust, but you're still trusting them to sort of take your vision and go beyond or, or, or even go somewhere new. What's that like? Truly, it's my favorite part. I <laughs> am such just like, I used to want to be a director and I went to school for film and TV production and I quickly learned I did not want anything to do with directing. Um, I love to just write and then give it away and see what people do with it. And for Shipwrecked in particular, our director, Joe, is like so on the same wavelength as us that I know whatever we do, he's just going to elevate it and make it even better than we could have possibly imagined. And I just have so much faith in the people that we work with to like make everything we write better that it's never been like a problem for me. But maybe in if we end up branching out and like doing things for like studios or TV, I'll, I'll feel differently. I'll be like, how could you butcher my baby like that? <laughs> but um, in terms of what we've done, I've never been disappointed or had any yeah. sort of trouble. I think uh, on that note, I think, yeah, I agree. And I think in a way we're getting spoiled. Yeah, we definitely um, are. Cause Joe is such a great collaborator and is very, it keeps us involved in the entire process and that is not normal. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, one day we might, um, we might be sadder about it, but. And one more thing from something that was said earlier, I'm going to try and keep it as cryptic as everybody else has to this point <laughs> in the final episode, the reveal where a certain character doesn't make it. And the decision to cut the joke, I think, is 100% the right call for whatever my opinion matters. Because yeah. um, there, there was an emotional punch and an oomph to that scene. And it reminded me of another web series that had an oomph and a punch to a scene where it ended. And that was called Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog. And then, <laughs> lo and behold, how did you get Felicia Day? <laughs> Okay, she's not a secret anymore. She's posted yeah. about it. She was a secret for a long time. Uh -huh. uh, how did we get Felicia we... Day? We, we she's she's Cat. um yeah. yeah she's in here this is great she's just walking around um <laughs> she's been she's in um some similar circles um, i have met her multiple times in the yeah. past she does uh she used to do she used to be in an improv group with some friends of ours including tara perry who mm -hmm. played louisa may alcott in mm -hmm. poe party 
But actually, our, Sean, uh, Sean and Sinead, oh boy. Uh, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> That's um, us. Sinead um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, we have a literary manager, and he had just produced something with Felicia, and we were talking to him specifically about that part because we wanted to see if we could cast somebody um, yeah. well-known. We because, really yeah. wanted it to be a fun yeah. surprise cameo. And obviously with Felicia being the queen of all web series forever mm-hmm. and ever, I'm in, you know, that was like very special for us. And I think, I think based on what she said in interviews, she was excited to get to play. I mean, she obviously does a lot of like quirky characters and she was getting to be this like, um, you know, stately, regal, yeah, yeah, regal lady with gravitas, and mm-hmm. um, I think she she really did. Like on set, we were all like, oh, we're <laughs> all just so excited she was there, and she was so lovely to just. She was really um, just encouraging to us, and just uh, talking about like how proud she was of us just making our thing and sharing her struggles with trying to get projects off the ground and stuff, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I also now copy her skincare routine. So (laughs) it's a great time. She was really lovely. It was a nice, um, it was nice because we had actually thought of her. Mm -hmm. Um, and then our manager was like, what about Felicia Day? And we were like, well, yeah, I guess that's a good sign. And he just sent an email and, and, and set it up and she was so easy to work with. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. I, I just in closing, I would 100% concur with that whole regal presence and authority in her yeah. performance. She carried yeah. herself like King Richard back from the Crusades at the end of Robin Hood or something like that. <laughs> it was like there, yeah. there is there's just a presence there. Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, she killed it. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to pivot a little bit to more production side things, um, just because I was curious. How do you work with a shoot that's got so many different locations? I think because this is one of the biggest ones, I see it's the biggest shoot you've done, but like the, all those different locations were gorgeous, especially that oh, end yeah. one with the, with the window and those sorts of things. And even yeah. the subtleties yeah. in the not a drugstore were all beautifully done. So, I mean, I'm assuming you guys do a lot of the set dressing yourselves, but the actual locations and things, how do you go about scouting those and, and working that out so you can actually shoot consecutively? Well, we well, just out. Yeah. I um went to this location for like a it was called Spooky Swap Meet and I got tickets for it like a couple summers ago and we were I was walking around and it's a it's a small street that's off the beaten path and it's called Heritage Square Museum and they've brought all of these historic houses to this location they used to be other other places like Pasadena or like Glendale and they bring them all here and here they're in Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles. And they're lined up. And at the very end is the big church. And then behind that is a drugstore. And when I was there, I took some pictures and I was like, this is Sleepy Hollow. And I sent it to you guys and we went and scouted the location. And it's perfect. It is a little town. And it has mm-hmm. like houses that we can shoot in and like the church and the, the drugstore. It was all just like so it was perfect. very serendipitous because you guys, there is an old Dutch church in the story. Like that was something we knew that we needed. Although originally we didn't have the finale set in the church yeah. uh, until we decided that we were going to shoot there. Yeah, the w- the way we wrote was we were just writing um, sort of blue sky, like let's figure this out. And then once you have your locations, once you know what you're 
um, boundaries are, then you can kind of go back in and change stuff. And we did that a lot because we did, we did look at other places. We looked at uh, Disney's Golden Oak Ranch Mm -hmm. up in Santa Clarita where they film a lot of big stuff and, you know, the it's base rate was going to be like <laughs> thousand a day or something. It's it was Disney. Like yeah. <laughs> and then we, we went up to Solvang, which is this little Dutch town in uh, central California. And that would have um, been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. To shoot there. But, but yeah, when we found this little, like it's, it's all inclusive. They do filming. It, there's all these buildings, the build, they do tours. So all of the buildings are beautiful and already dressed with, authentic vintage deck uh uh furniture and everything mm-hmm. and the drugstore in particular i think it started out as a bank and then it became like a like an apothecary with yeah. you know like a soda shop kind of thing um so the way it's set up is it's like a, an old timey drugstore so we were we just went with that yeah so in that location we did there's like posters on the walls at the front and stuff and we put all those up but all of the like little bottles and everything that's all around and in, in all the like the mm-hmm. walls and the cases those are already there um but like yeah they're 90 percent of the stuff in the van tassel manor is already there yeah yeah there is no way we could have shot this show anywhere else because you learn as you're me again like this is our first show that had multiple locations it just takes so much time to move your equipment from location to location so the fact that all of these different buildings were in one place and like while we were shooting in one house they could be getting stuff ready in a different house um there that's the only way we were able to uh, like complete the shoot in the amount of time that yeah. we had. And we did have two other locations that were not a part of Heritage Square Museum, one of which is the the woods, like the forest. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the jail and the courtroom are at uh, like a set. Um, Those were actually in. right next to each other. Yeah, at a different place. There was a point during pre-production as all of the um, balls are starting to fall into place but nothing is set in stone that a studio came in and put a hold on heritage square from January to April, I think. Yes. Of, of, our certain sh- of this year studio Rimes. run by a mouse. Misney. <laughs> um, and then we were like, Oh, okay. Well, we can try to scout somewhere else, but we, we can't really because this had everything we needed. It, we weren't going to have to do company moves, which was going to save us, us multiple days. Yeah. Um, this had store. We could store all our stuff there. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we could set up the next shot or the next location while we were filming. There was no feasible way to um, to do this anywhere else on our budget. And uh, luckily, Disney decided they didn't need this entire place for four months. And they released it, and we were able to go. So, yeah, thanks, Disney. Yeah, <laughs> the stars aligned. But yeah, I, I mean, locations are the biggest nightmare for for yeah. any other In aspiring Goodness. filmmakers out there. It's just the but worst. They are fun in a way. Like one of my favorite parts of this whole process is location scouting. And um, thinking about what that means in terms of the script, because we're usually not done with the script or, you know, we have a lot of edits to make. So so imagining all the ways that you can change things, make things better, make things more streamlined based on where you might be filming is kind of fun. It's just like a little puzzle. (laughs) Another production note as well. Um, I did... 
I've obviously the behind the scene pictures are brilliant and the what are some of my favorite ones from the Twitter are the ones of Tom having his costume fitted for the head. How did yeah. that work on set? I am genuinely curious. Could he see at all or was it completely <laughs> How did that work? I'm so glad that it remained mostly a secret for everybody because <laughs> as as we obviously watched it being made, it was like very obvious to us how mm-hmm. it works and everything. But I, it became clear and I was always felt strongly from the beginning, like we cannot post any pictures of Tom uh, with his head sticking out of this costume because, you know, we want to keep the illusion. Uh, and I think it we it worked pretty mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, Whenever I see him, I see his face. Yeah. So, yeah. so <laughs> it's nice that other people. But he can are. see. Okay. I was genuinely <laughs> yeah. curious. I genuinely yeah. didn't know. And it, because it looks, it, yeah, you are has, right, it does look amazing. If I can the, co- There's like a gauzy area in mm-hmm. the front of the costume that's like a cravat and he can so see. So he would have that. it like ah, okay. open and just like walking yeah, around with a little face. And then he'd be yeah. like, Mary Kate. I need to yeah. be tucked in. And so Mary Kay or Sarah would come and tuck him in and button his little. Yeah. You'll see. We'll eventually probably post more pictures where he's got the flap up so you can <laughs> see and walking around on set. But yeah. I'm not usually someone who notices this, but a tremendous physical performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He was he, so captivating without the use of dialogue to fall back on. Yeah. He's wonderful. He's great. I, he took that part and made it more than I think we were even expecting it would be. Mm-hmm. It was just like seeing yeah. how much thought he put into making the Headless Horseman like a character. And I think a lot of like headless being sort of lovable and sweet really came from Tom. Like yeah. he, he really wanted to sort of play against type of like this scary being and like make headless somebody who's really sweet yeah a friend and i mean that's that's tom in a nutshell he played um oscar wilde and poe party and he did so much research on the accent yeah he really came to set like fully ready to defend his choice to make it more (laughs) british because he'd researched that oscar wilde had a lot and he'd listened to like recordings and yeah yeah he works hard it definitely comes across i mean there's one thing to be able to act without dialogue but to be able to act without a face and a Mm -hmm. head is it's something altogether it was it was very very impressive yeah yeah he's so good okay um it's funny you seem to be georgia you seem to be 100 percent in not 100 but very interested in the production side of it oh always i keep coming back to the writing (laughs) so i'm gonna ask another writing question which is uh, how does the writing partnership work for something like headless do you did you take like episodes itself you take scenes to itself do you write together in a room by itself can sean only write sean lines and sinead only write sinead lines how 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 does it work it is Uh, funny that you say that because we have a lot of times where we're like who wrote that again did you write that yeah i love it when we love a line and we both think the other person wrote it yeah like wow i don't remember Um, (laughs) i We'll preface this by saying no one should ever write anything the way we wrote Headless. It was chaotic and it was over COVID and it we had way too much time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did a lot of Zoom writing meetings. So we were so we were gonna um kickstart this in March of twenty twenty and we had our general outline i think we had the first episode written or first couple or, or you know drafts of some stuff and then once covid hit we were like oh i don't know one 
we'll get to film this ever at all. We we took our time. We we you know we we had planned to maybe take two or three months to basically write the rest of it, and that turned into basically a year. And we just went back and forth and. We had um, we allowed ourselves to get sort of lost in the weeds on things. There were days where we just weren't feeling it, so we spent we went off on tangents for like two hours. We were like, "Yeah, okay, this we character like likes likes pirate apps. names. Yeah, yeah apps. let's come up with app names or like <laughs> pirate names." And we just kind of like lost our minds a little bit, and then yeah, we, we would- even have a video. I don't know if it's public or for Patreon. Of we started recording our sessions. And Sean edited it together to show just how chaotic the writing <laughs> sessions were and how many tangents we went off on. And yeah. we had this week where we were just playing with Zoom filters <laughs> and trying to make each other laugh. Um, yeah. Anyways. Anyways, uh, the script ended up having, being 180 pages. <laughs> I recommend having a hard deadline. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, we, we got to 180 pages and then – we we were writing stuff at the beginning that by the time we were getting to the end, we had not forgotten about, but we had sort of um, changed. Uh, we we shifted ideas, and then but we so we had setups that never paid off, and then we started put writing in payoffs that we were like, okay, we'll go, we'll go back and like weave this in and set it up, and so our first draft was kind of a disaster, and like the editing and streamlining process of this was was more difficult than it should yeah. have been. <laughs> But to have a more concrete answer, I believe once we did our initial outline, we did divvy up episodes. So like we're not writing like together line by line. It was like, I'll take one, you take two, I'll take three, you take four. So the initial ones we did like split up episodes, but then we rewrote so many times that like no episode is like fully one person's episode. Or, you know, I'd Sinead would have an episode, but I'd come up with like a good idea. I, I, or I think I came up with a good idea for a scene. So I'd write the scene and just send it to her and um, vice versa. So yeah, it's, um, it's a good way to, to sort of keep us working on our, on our own also. Hey, I'm going to steal one of Ian's questions from his cheat sheet here and ask you all, what are you most proud of in Headless? Oh boy. Give you a second. I'll fill yes. time. Hang on. I'll just hum for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how right. I can say I'm. I'm proud of something fully, but I think that the finale scene in the church is just like everyone was bringing their A game. It was an overnight shoot. Everyone's performance is like off the charts. The leaf blower was so cool. They <laughs> with a white light. Everybody got blown with a leaf blower. That was so fun. Uh, John Cozart gives like chef's kiss performance, singing his song. It's like moving. I don't know. I, everybody was just killing it that night. And I'm, I'm so proud of how the finale scene looks in the church. Yeah. I think um, I'll go back. I'll, I'll do a writing uh, thing and I, I, I'm really happy with how we, um, we, 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 I think kept people off uh, or on their toes, off their guard on their toes and, um, surprised people, but not in a, uh, in a, in a way that everything felt justified and set up and, um, we, we planted seeds and we were able to sort of hide, uh, little bits of plot and little bits of information that were 
important later in jokes earlier on or character pieces earlier on. I, that is really, really hard. And anytime I see it done well, I'm, I'm flabbergasted and shocked and, um, and I'm always like, I, I want to do that. And then Mary Kate reminds me that, well, you, you guys did do it. And <laughs> I think because we didn't, I think, I think it's just because we worked for so long on this that it happened. I, I, uh, yeah, it was a lot of work, but I, I think we, we did, we did that in, in some respect and I'm, I'm proud of us for that. Yeah, you did. Definitely. You, get to you be, should be. You get to be proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a cop out, but I'm truly just so proud that we made this show. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to come off constantly talking about how, um, the amount of money that we had for what we did is not a lot because I want everyone to know how grateful we are that they obviously raising $200,000 is no small feat, but, um, you know, the finale is a 30 minute long episode. That's a TV episode. And most TV episodes are made with at least a million dollars per episode. And not only did we just make, you know, that, we made nine other episodes for the a fraction of what most TV episodes are made for. And that is truly only possible because so many people are working so hard um, to make the show good. And not only did we like get it all shot and didn't forget anything or like not be able to shoot anything, it looks beautiful. And I think... And again, like when I brag on us in my brain, I'm not bragging on myself. Like I didn't have anything to do with that. Joe put so much thought into what the show is going to look like. And he and Alex, our DP, do such a good job of like taking not like taking the time to make the shots interesting and still managing to get everything shot in a day that we need to shoot. And it's truly remarkable. I think seeing other other um indie projects at like similar scale recently, which are great and are awesome and truly like everything that gets made is a miracle. Um, but like being like, huh, and like none of the shots I saw in that film or whatever, like really made me go, wow. Whereas some of the shots in Headless, I just cannot believe how beautiful they are. And the fact that we did that while also like shooting way too much every day. And I don't know. It's just kind of a marvel that it all comes together in such a beautiful way, considering how scrappy we always have to be. <laughs> so it's it's interesting because obviously recently Netflix dropped Wednesday and there are definitely, well, I obviously watched Headless first and then binged Wednesday <laughs> as a massive fan. But the compar- there were definitely comparable scenes and comparable elements and comparable humour and writing and all these things. And I'm just going, these guys did this on such a smaller scale but it wasn't a smaller scale because there are shots in Headless, especially with the church and then that bedroom window that look very, very similar. Uh, but there are shots in Headless and writing in Headless and acting in Headless, especially again, Mary-Kate with the last episode and some of the earlier episodes with the when um, Kat is starting to not threaten Ichabod a little bit, but there's lines that I'm going, there's some absolutely incredible performances. And so then to watch this massive um, Netflix series that again it's Netflix so it's not as big as some other TV series but it pretty much is, oh, it is nowadays days, it yeah. is yeah um it was it just made me feel proud of what you guys had done because it was it was comparable so I guess that's it's not a question it's me just going 
it was so cool to see it and watch that in that those close together it was it was very nice to see that thank you for appreciating that i think we i haven't watched wednesday yet but Sinead has and has conveyed to us that there are similarities i think (laughs) we feel um obviously like so proud but frustrated on a certain level where we go like okay like we're clearly doing everything right which isn't to say like we're perfect of course we're not but like yeah we're making good stuff that's like comparable to what streaming services are making like at what point does somebody notice at what point Mm. does this mean that like we get to sell a show i which is ultimately what we want to do um i don't know i don't know and i don't even know like how you know, I, I don't want to, like, we're very happy. So many people have loved the show and have found the show. Um, but still, even for YouTube, like, we were really hoping to get, reach a wider audience. And um, considering some of the talent that's in the show, you know, Matt Mercer, Critical Role, and Lee Newton, and John Cozart, for goodness sakes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we just, we find ourselves sometimes feeling a bit frustrated. But we have to remind ourselves the flip of that, which is like, okay, we are doing things right. Like people are noticing, like it is at some point, the fact that like we, the fact that like a huge network is making something so similar to what we like and what we make means that like at some point it's going to pay off. I hope, you know, it's especially frustrating when um, you have meetings with people and they're like, we love this, but this is too niche. Yeah. Nobody who's into this kind of stuff. And then that's, and then two weeks later, (laughs) Dickinson, because we get a lot of, we had a lot of that in the, in the last few years when we were having meetings, we were getting a lot of that. So so from, you know, I mean, sorry, no, I just ultimately you got to make the stuff you like to make and what else can you do? From a fan's perspective, we feel, at least I've, we feel for the frustration for you because you are as good, (laughs) genuinely. Um, And so it's, I remember there was, there was something happening on Twitter and all my Twitter feed was about um, Andrew Lloyd Webber bringing Cinderella over and people were Mm. tweeting about it and how awfully he treated the West End cast and then was so easily able to take something so big to such a broad, big, massive Broadway venue. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there reading through it and going and seeing Mary Kate, your tweets about headless at the time and just going, that's all my, all my feed was, was headless and this, this Cinderella thing. And I just went, it's so frustrating that someone who has been, has done this, has, was able to just so easily switch and bring and go straight to Broadway. And I was, obviously it's not the same thing because it's stage, but I was feeling massively for you guys in those, in that moment, especially going, they deserve to be able to do this as easily as other people do and so it was we, we feel the frustration for you but absolutely are so Thank incredibly you. grateful that you are able to make the things that you do make and are able to put them out on youtube for free i mean yeah. there's no better blessing for a fan especially with everything at the moment than being able to watch it for free it's incredible oh, so we're you. very very grateful and again I'm free i really catch myself i get so um i get so conflicted about like wanting to express that frustration and also again like not wanting to come off as ungrateful for all the people who have supported us and do watch our stuff and do love our stuff um i think ultimately we just want to be able to keep making stuff and pay our bills and (laughs) traditional hollywood can be very frustrating and uh we are very lucky that we are able to make stuff outside of traditional Hollywood and just trying to remind ourselves that like eventually, hopefully our problems will be different problems and we'll be going like, ah, remember when we just made stuff for YouTube (laughs) and we made what we wanted to make and nobody told us what we couldn't do. And 
whatever. Yeah. I'm so excited for those new problems, though. <laughs> I do believe they will happen. I can't wait to be in a fight with a producer about a character arc or something. Like, oh my gosh, what a dream. Let me let me pivot off that because I have something I want to talk about with character arcs. Because my favorite moment of the series is the uh, sort of final moments of the penultimate episode where the death certificate for uh, Cap Montasso is found. And it's at this point that I think it hit me. I realized that what had started in episode one, because we're aligned to Ichabod's perspective as he encounters the residents of Sleepy Hollow, we're designed to fall in love with Cap Montasso and to hate Brom. And I realized at this point that my feelings towards both characters had swapped and that's only as effective as it is in episode nine if you guys do your job all the way back in episode one because I really hate Brom and I really <laughs> love Kat. And so to see it come full circle because – but still make that ending when it all does fall, uh, go, go where it goes in episode 10 to make me still care about about that. It, it's not yeah. – it didn't go to this one-dimensional – She's a villain. Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I can edit that. <laughs> but, Everyone's being so careful. But it, it, it didn't go to this. It didn't go to this one dimensional. This is good. This, there, there were still layers and nuance and feelings and emotions, which we felt through the conflict in Sinead's character, Matilda. And, and, and that moment where you're going, because you are the ultimate crossroads between these two characters, actually. Mm-hmm. And so much so that I was so angry at the Matilda character. When, how are you doing this? Come on. I mean, <laughs> Brom has found redemption in. And, and, and no, <laughs> and I think that speaks to him. And I've, I've, I've I hope I've expressed and my my enthusiasm and my appreciation of the writing, but also the acting, and also how the, the cinematography, all these things come together. But to create these two characters and to take me on a journey to create that sort of emotional response in a, in a time when you know viewers are becoming more I don't know jaded or it's back to that Muppet thing. Where the Muppets make you care about the characters. Yeah. And, and it's okay to be sincere. And it's okay to really like a character. It's okay to really dislike a character. It's okay to have nuance in there. Yeah. And Not it, just Evil League of Evil and Yeah. Princess. So, yeah. you know, I, I'd like to reverse engineer this into a question, but I just want to say. Yeah. I think I've, we've got enough. We've got yeah. enough to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got stuff to say. I've got stuff to say. I think it's, from the beginning, it was super important to me and probably you, Sean having read the original story, to make Kat Van Tassel an interesting character, which she is not in the short story. She is the blooming Katrina. She is there as an object. And that was part of the impetus for this story. Not just, I mean, the the impetus was, wouldn't it be funny if Ichabod and the Headless Horseman were roommates? But then it's like, <laughs> oh, you immediately have an opportunity to make this female character um, interesting and have nuance and um, have this like co- bananas journey through this whole show and where you love her, hate her, whatever. And then also for Brom, we wanted to really have him have, he ends up having the biggest character arc in the show. And that was so, those two characters arcs were so fun for us to write and to um, with cats. It's more of like giving you Easter eggs and hints and like, little like tidbits into her past and with Brahm it's more open and just like you're watching an idiot learn something <laughs> just in like full view of the camera it's like a puppy <laughs> learning so to sit fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I'm thank you, Ian. It's lovely to hear you say all those things. I I obviously am Sean and Sinead's biggest fan, and I think they do great work. And I think um that yeah, it's so cool. It's one of the coolest things about this show, I think, is that it's not just one character's journey. Um, it's a lot. And of course, like this is Ichabod's story. But um, Matilda is the one who makes the defining choice of the whole series. And Brahm has the biggest arc. And uh, Kat is like, you know, such a wonderful, rich surprise of a character, I think. And um, I don't know, you guys just did great work. And obviously, like, we are very lucky to work with very talented people. I mean, I don't think Brahm would have been anywhere near. I don't think Brahm would have worked if it was anybody else but Gabe Greenspan. And we always knew that. Like, Gabe was in your brains from the minute you started creating this character. Are you okay? Um, and, um, you know, and you, uh, Sinead, I think you are fantastic as Matilda. And I have always thought Sean would be the perfect Ichabod Crane. And I was right. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. It's just really cool. Uh, one of the fun things about adapting this short story is that the actual short story is very uh, slight and there's not a lot happens. And it's basically just uh, these three character archetypes. Ichabod is like the nebbishy, uh, the nerdy kind of guy. Brahm is the, the bully and they're fighting over just Katrina, who's just who's a, pretty, a, just pretty, <laughs> and just kind of like an object for them to fight over. And she then got that money. Um, Pretty and rich. But so our first episode is basically the short story with a little tweak. Um, and then so it was fun to figure out, well, where do, where do you take those characters after that? And I really love those characters where you they you hate them and then you love them. I think that I think that's so satisfying as a viewer to like invest in, in that way. So, yeah, I mean, Brahm's my favorite character. He's just, <laughs> yeah, Brahm is awesome. Yeah. And we were – it was so funny to watch the pilot. And even up until episode four where he's being like a little POS to Ichabod and everybody's like, oh, my God, I hate him. I hate him. And I'm like, just wait. You're just going <laughs> to love him. He's a little baby. <laughs> loves Ichabod and, you know, the the – an important relationship ends up being, if not the most important relationship. It was fun to to zero in on everybody's relationship and the friendships. And just the fact that Kat is not just a straight up villain. She she was wronged and she's just trying to, to do what she can to survive. Yeah. I think we fully crossed into spoiler territory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll put Go a warning on it. this as well, yeah. but we'll try and make sure people watch it before they listen. <laughs> um, as I'm going to go with a, with a complete fan question, and it's things I've seen, a thing I've seen floating around on Twitter and things. Does Lauren Lopez have a contact with you about mustaches? Because every single time she's with you guys, she's got one on. <laughs> She's just we're got like, a face for a mustache. <laughs> is it okay that we're going to put you in a mustache again? This happened feet. totally organically. We weren't honestly weren't thinking like, <laughs> how can we put Lauren in a mustache? But this, this, that, the episode where she is in a mustache is like a throwback in some ways to Poe Party um, because it's like a weird, awkward dinner. Yeah. 
and yeah. and lore and is you know in a mustache pretending to be a guy and um <laughs> it just was like we already were like well she'd be so good at this and yeah it just sort of happened but now yeah. i feel like it's now at this point we got to at least think about it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we've gone too far yeah uh, speaking of all the, all the different heads how was it working with the different personalities obviously fitting so they almost were part of the headless horseman but also their own person so how did that how did that work with the writing and with the acting and the choice of characters also a really clever idea if i can just say that a different head per episode really clever idea thank you i think it's pretty fun um yeah it was great and it was so fun to be able to obviously like you know pack it with some cameos but also just like folks that we love um Mm -hmm. and uh, uh folks that we were excited to have i mean lee newton was um, kind of the only one that like we didn't know personally and hadn't like really worked with before. I mean, we hadn't worked with Dan Mintz before, but Sinead has known his family for a long time. Um, and she was such a delight. Oh my gosh. And like truly cannot imagine anyone else playing this absolute bonkers character. Um, yeah. She is on another level. She's <laughs> so wonderful and so lovely. And um you know, and then seeing old friends like Jimmy Wong and and having him back. I mean, initially we were like, this will be great. Like we can have people in just for a day so that they can like, it can be like a quick shoot for them. But like Jimmy came to set four different days. Yeah. Matt Mercer was there twice. Like it didn't yeah. really end up being Ryan sort Garcia of like ended pop up in, in pop three out. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it didn't really work the way we thought it would. As like we can get some some more famous folks to just yeah. pop in for a day. But like as a they, as a cost saving exercise. Yeah. <laughs> not successful. But they all were so game and so lovely, and they bring like that's kind not that I want to say I have a regret, but we have thought about a TV length version of this show and i would love to have more heads like i would love to explore different um characters i think this the the mechanics of it is very fun and you guys have come up with some ideas for other heads there was a completely uh a head written in that we had to cut out completely um just for time um that was very fun and uh yeah it's, it's just a fun yeah it's a fun idea and everybody who played one of the heads did such a wonderful job and you guys did such a great job at like writing them all so different and so fun and ultimately like still all kind of wanting to help out Ichabod in their own way which I think is really fun and and Mm -hmm. weird and just gives each episode like its own flavor and you're like oh man that's the YouTuber episode that's the heist episode and it was just yeah yeah, it was great. I, for the record, I loved the whole heist <laughs> setup. I thought, um, yeah, as far as like sort of like borrowing from great great heist movies like Ocean's Eleven, we just reviewed Logan Lucky, but but these kinds yeah. of the, you guys. That's got Jim O'Hare in, and where did I recognize uh-huh. him from? That's yeah, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, he is in that. But yeah, totally, yeah, totally nailed the feel of that. I, I, I meant to mention that, so yeah. thank you for that. Right. Thank yeah. you. Props to our composer Dylan Glatthorn for yeah. giving us that sweet, sweet heist music. Yeah. <laughs> and it is sweet, sweet heist music it's and so in all good. of the scoring is incredible. The scoring's yeah. great. So he good. is yeah. unbelievable. But I do have to say that both Sean and Joe Stribling, our director, are very big heist fans. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ocean's Eleven is this guy's favorite over here. So <laughs> it was pretty fun to get to do that, even just a small little heist. Just throw a little heist in there. Yeah. That heists are hard to write. 
<laughs> that <laughs> episode maybe went through the most rewrites. Yeah, because we actually did. Tr- Spoiler alert! I mean, the heist—it's just a—you know—there you don't actually see the the payoffs of all of these things. It's a lot of setups because we tried at a certain point, and then we were like, "What?" Our goal was that every episode was ten pages, and we obviously uh, whiffed on that. But at the time, we were like, "We can't do a full heist in ten pages." No. So um, it was hard. We so we we came up with sort of like a pastiche and just like an homage to the idea of heists. <laughs> well, good shout. I say was so you said that was like your favorite episode, then Ian. Because uh, I'm going to ask everyone that question. I think so. <laughs> <Start there. laughs> well, well n- n- not including that. I mean, episode ten is so important because it wraps it yeah. up, and there's a scope that's larger in that one. Yeah, absolutely. But no, I think the heist episode with the courthouse episode like a a, a, a close second but yeah <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> anyone else got a favorite i truly can't pick i don't know it, it was so fun in the edit to be like working on episode three like oh my gosh this is so fun and then episode four and it was like this play is bonkers this is hilarious and then episode five and we were like oh my gosh what have we done? This show is so crazy. This is so fun. Um, I don't know. They're just all yeah. fun. I love it. I do have a to... soft spot for episode five, the courtroom stuff. Well, definitely. Some is. of my favorite stuff to write. Yeah. I love that we got to explore different, uh, just doing different things a little bit with each episode because mm-hmm. we've never gotten to do something like that before. So that was really neat. The juxtaposition my... between um sean's performance as you know inward ichabod crane and then the extroverted to the nines youtube yeah. influencer and then forcing yeah. them to spend time to yeah you know, that's just great yeah it was an absolute <laughs> treat is. to behold on set and to write uh, i mean yeah it was it was a lot of like how can we make ichabod uncomfortable this episode? Yeah. and yeah. finding different ways to do that was very fun and then I and then we got to slime him. Yeah, I got slimed. <laughs> did you just do oh, that the once, say that, or did you have to do that oh, multiple? Yeah, yeah. Just once? Yeah, yeah we only <laughs> had one take. To do the that. very last thing that we shot because then Sean was covered in slime. Yeah. And we had to go home. <laughs> and wash it. We had to go home. What were you going to say? Was your once you're slimed, you have to go home. Yeah. It's in the SAG contract. <laughs> um, my favorite episode, I think, is the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's very fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I had a question. Oh, yeah, because the um, the blooper reel, we got to see lots of other yeah. attempts of jokes or setups or things that which was great. My question is, how much improvisation was there? Because as you guys write it, is it like, um, you know, a oh, I'm forgetting the writer's name now. Anyway, was it this like strict adherence to the script? Like you, we spent. Well, you, you know how long we spent writing this? You will stick to the lines, or oh, or, Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin? Yeah, yeah. That's it, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> or you know who who are I think Jeff Goldblum are wanted to change an A to the, and he went, no, you will say it with the indefinite article uh, A. Um, but is is it is it the strict adherence to the script? Is it is it an area that was open for interpretation and playing? around how did that go our actors are all so funny that even when we have no time at all they will they will be do doing the improv (laughs) (laughs) a lot Um, of them end up in the final cut it's uh mostly like 
we'll play the scene and then Joe will just let us keep going at the end of a scene and people yeah. will come up with yeah. some funny a buttons. A lot of buttons. Yeah. Um, I think because we are always um, pressed for time, the idea is like, um, let's just get what's on the page and move on. And then, but yeah, it, our sets are also so lovely and comfortable and open that improv just happens. Joe will come up with stuff or, yeah. or, you know, yeah. the, the babes came up with a lot of their own stuff Yeah, and Which they'll either do thankfully. it or, or they'll run it by us. And we're mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's great. Most of the time. That's, yeah. Occasionally we're like, no, because this sort of steps on this joke um like uh jason huber who played the first head Henri, he had every time he popped up he had he had another amazing line that that he just improvised and yeah because in the script that character doesn't even speak yeah (laughs) so he would just improvise a really funny line would have us in stitches but in the end it was like well that steps on the the Brahm joke here, yeah, which is him. more important. <laughs> Brahm so. is the most important. <laughs> There's some lines in there that like you have to get right because it's like a clue for later, yeah. or we just really like that lines, Gronky Bonkers, just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, we need to make sure Matt yeah. Mercer says this line exactly the way yeah. I read. we thought that I think he only said it right once. Uh-huh. And that's yeah. the But that I mean <laughs> Matt Mercer improv a lot and they were all yes. solid well, gold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and you're in the edit and you're like, I don't know which one. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. But yeah, there's plenty of room for playing around. No, it's, it's, I'm, I'm having a bit of a moment where I'm listening to you guys and making sure I actually check in with what's going on because I think you spend so much time, <laughs> obviously with the content that you guys put out, a lot of the stuff that I then take in is all on screens and those sorts of things. So I'm having to remind myself, no, no, they're there. They're talking to you, Georgia, <laughs> and Ian at the moment. <laughs> so it's this, just this strange experience. It's a bit <laughs> otherworldly, but it's just so incredible to have you guys on here and the fact that you take time to do these things and all of the different perks that are on the Kickstarter, there's some of them are quite personal and obviously like the one-to-one with Sinead and the, the science lesson, all these things, they're, they're personal things that you guys are having to take a lot of time out of your time to do and to fulfill. And I think that's, it's just so wonderful. And I don't know if I can get across how grateful that I am and we are for that engagement. It is just so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice to hear. No, it's yeah. Okay. We also still have a lot of those things left to do. So January is going to be a big, <laughs> big month for performance. Oh. Yeah. So on kind of that sort of thing, do you guys have anything you want to kind of promote or push or just let the world know or let our listeners know because they live in our microphones, we've decided. <laughs> um, um, just so, yeah, take the floor for a few minutes. Well, um, our next project is oh, called trouble. The Case of the Greater Gatsby. It's going to be an audio narrative, um, mm-hmm. and that'll be out uh, next year. Well, next year is pretty close, so yeah. I don't know what that means. But, uh, um, yeah, we're working on that one right now. Um, what else? What else do we have? That's mainly it. I mean, I don't know, Sinead. I feel like I do a lot of my soapboxing constantly on social media, so... I mean, yeah, we've got we've got Patreon. We've we do that. We are around. No, oh, this is why I have to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we yeah we do that. You could find it if you like look for it. (laughs) I along the lines of what you were saying, Georgia, which is so sweet. I mean, um, 
I just, yeah, I just hope everyone knows how much we appreciate you taking the time to watch and support. I mean, like I said, we have been working on this show for like three years now. And I think that's been what part of what has been hard for me to let it go. Um, but the fact that like we have spent so much of our lives on this show, um, the just when you take the time to watch it and appreciate it, it makes us feel like, okay, all this time that we spent was maybe worth it. And maybe, maybe it's worth doing all of this if somebody really enjoys it and, you know, it, it makes them feel good. So yeah, please just watch it. I dream of us being able to continue to make bigger and better things. I mean, one of the reasons we're doing an audio narrative next is because Headless truly almost broke us <laughs> Um, and we we are not quite ready to jump back into another project of that scale yet, but uh, eventually we will want to. And we have so many, so many wild and wacky ideas in our brains and um, we won't be able to do them unless we can reach more people. So all that you do to spread the word means so much to us. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, you're more than welcome, absolutely. If there's any justice, um, all, all the platitudes <laughs> a, a, apply, but the cream should absolutely rise to the top. And if, <laughs> if that statement has any truth in it, you know – whatever it is you you guys are hoping to to achieve should you would hope come your way thank you it's 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 worthy of it and um as a result I, i'm not sure we were worthy of an hour of your time but we are very <laughs> thankful for no. having uh for having it it's been it's been enlightening it it's been uh educational but but most importantly it's been fun yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. so fun yeah, to talk you. about the show. So thanks yeah. for yeah. letting us do that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. No, more than welcome. Thank you one more time. Uh, you couldn't have been more generous with your time. We want to thank Mary Kate Wiles. We want to thank Sean Persaud. We want to thank Sinead Persaud for spending some time with us. They are shipwrecked. The show, which if you've gone this far, why haven't you hit pause and watched it yet? <laughs> it is headless. Go check them out on YouTube, Patreon, and anywhere else the internet will take you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to go record the second half of our commentary now. Yeah. Wow, really? Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Very cool. All right. So wait, when you say commentary, do you mean like you're doing commentary over the whole thing? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I would definitely be checking that out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a massive fan and have been for a long time. So to have you guys on is, is a massive pleasure. I will try not to do the whole giggly turn into a bit of a mush thing whilst we're recording. All right. Please please do it. It's a pleasure. (laughs) Please please do. It'll make us feel good about ourselves. If you don't do it, it's going to be down to me to do it. And that's not going to be fun. Is it okay if I take a quick picture of just the screen? Wow. Wow. Put it on the Twitter. No, put it on the Twitter. (laughs) I'm doing it. Go for it. Go for it. I can't guarantee I won't make weird noises still. Sorry, I'm going to put on the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs>